and welcome to episode 16 of the Pi Podcast, the show by members of the Raspberry Pi community for the Raspberry Pi community. I'm Joe. And I'm Albert. And it's only been a week. What's going on? Why are we back? Well, you can't have missed the news that there's a Raspberry Pi 3 has come out. Big, big news. So we're going to do a special. Yeah, we were uh, fortunate enough to get invited to uh, Raspberry Pi Towers by Liz. So we got a, actually we've in the can an interview with Liz as well, which is brilliant. But we also got to speak to Eben about the uh, Raspberry Pi 3. So uh, we'll play the interview with Eben and have a little chat again afterwards. Yeah, let's hear that now. So we're here with Eben Upton of the Raspberry Pi Foundation, and I've got in my hand a Raspberry Pi 3, and I'm very, very excited. Yeah! <laughs> so, can you tell us about it? What um, What's different about it? What's better? <laughs> um, so, uh, everything is better about it. Um, no, um, so, so the big things, I guess, um, new processor cores. So we've, we've moved from a, a quad-core 32-bit um, Cortex-A7 at 900 megahertz to a quad-core 64-bit Cortex-A53 at 1200 megahertz. So that's the big, that's kind of big headline change to the, uh, to the, to the, the processor core. Um, the other thing we've done, we've added, uh, integrated connectivity. So we've got, uh, 802.11n wireless LAN and, uh, Bluetooth 4. And that's a big, big thing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, this is, board. this is, a, this is a thing that people have been asking, uh, People have been asking for since the start of the project, right? And it's something that's been kind of beyond our, uh, I guess, beyond our budget and also um, beyond our, engin- our, our capability as an organization um, for the first the first two or three years. Um, there's kind of a, a step change from making a, a non, you know, making a regular piece of electronics that only accidentally emits radio waves, right, where you've got to do conformance testing to check that you're not emitting uh, unreasonable amounts of the MI um, to something which is intentionally a radio, um, particularly something which has... Effectively, three separate radios on there. You've got the the uh, the uh, the wireless, the eight hundred two eleven radio. You've got the Bluetooth Classic radio, and then you've got the Bluetooth Low Energy radio. So there's about a hundred thousand, about two man years of uh, hardware design, uh, and um, uh, about a hundred thousand pounds of conformance testing expense uh, associated with that. Wow. So you say that that's how long it's been in the pipeline then for two years? Uh, yeah. So, so well, there's, uh, I guess two man years of uh, yeah that the the radio side of it probably about two man years of engineering. So I guess yeah two or three people for a little under a year. The project itself has been in in the pipeline since the middle of 2014. So it's about an 18 month project. It's it's probably the quickest project we've done, uh, with the exception of zero, which was I mean zero was done in about nine months. Uh, but for you know, for a for a kind of for a complete new headline product. 18 months is the best we've ever done. Pi 2 was about two, two and a half years. And what were the, the big areas that took the most effort? Was it the radio? It was the radio. It was the radio. So the, both the board layout, which was James Adams, and then the, uh, managing the conformance testing process, which was largely, uh, largely Roger Thornton, uh, here in the office. And so when the Pi 2 came out, the kind of headline figure that you said was kind of a 6x performance increase. Is there, is there a number that you're putting out there this time? Yeah. So I think we're going for 50 to 60% increase over Pi 2. So roughly 10x over Pi 1. So wow. that means 13 months, you know, 13 months ago we were shipping Pi 1. Uh, so 13 months we've got a 10, 10x. Uh, it's not a sustainable, uh, we kind of expect <laughs> us to do that because you've got two, we squeeze two generations in there, but it is kind of fun to have done a, a 10x performance increment in a little over a year. Fantastic. And uh, the, is the memory the same? Yeah. So it's still a gigabyte of LPDDR2. Okay. Okay, and still with the micro USB for storage. Ah, yeah, micro USB for storage. Oh, micro SD, sorry. Micro, yeah. 
Uh, micro USB for power, micro SD for storage, uh, the four USBs, the 1000 Ethernet. Um, so we've got, you know, we've, we've, we've worked very hard to keep the rest of the design exactly the same. You know, it's, it's there's, there's a lot of people who are, who are, who've designed around that form factor now. Um, and we, we didn't want to mess with it. And presumably cost as well was a big factor. Yeah. Um, we wanted to squeeze it into the $35. Um, price point to some extent, you know, what is a, a Raspberry Pi is a thing that costs $35. And so there, there, there's never really any scope for us to grow that, uh, grow that price. And to some extent, that's, that's what defines the cadence of adding new stuff to the platform as Moore's Law brings, as Moore's Law and incremental optimization of the bill of materials and the production process, uh, take cost out of the platform. Uh, we're effectively every year trying to just drop some new feature in there using the money that we've saved. So recently with the Pi Zero, it was in the UK four pounds, and then it looked like the sellers were doing it at four twenty, and now four twenty five. Yeah, I mean, thanks, that's, that's thanks, component thanks costs. That, no, that's that's Boris. No, that's that's <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's entirely Boris Johnson. Um, the well, the four twenty to four twenty five is entirely Boris Johnson. The uh, effectively, if you, um, it's always five dollars. But um, you need a lot more sterling to buy five dollars now than you did in November. Um, so yeah. Um, we uh, Raspberry Pi Zero costs five bucks. So for the 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 three, that pressure on the currency isn't going to affect it in the short term. It's still going to be it's thirty five dollars. It's thirty five dollars. The, the target price for the UK. Uh, I think the target price for the UK comes out between twenty nine and thirty pounds, including VAT. Okay, that's good. Uh, yeah, that's it's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, it's whatever a Pi Two is today. So we mentioned that it's sixty four bit, but will thirty two bit images run on it? Yeah, um, and the interesting thing about the 64-bit core is we're using the Cortex-A53. We, we didn't pick it because it was a 64-bit core. We picked it because it was a better 32-bit core. Uh, we're primarily interested in running 32-bit code. We have a gig of RAM on there, so lots of the, yeah, there, there's, there's not a compelling argument for more address space. You know, it's the, the main thing that drives you to 64-bit is more address space. Now, there is a possibility that the, um, the, um, ARM V8, the ARCH64 instruction set is, more modern than the classic ARM instructions that we're using, and there it has more registers. For example, it's got 32 registers available to uh, to uh, to user programs. So it's possible that by being in 64-bit mode, you might get more, um, uh, you, you might get some more performance out of the device. But we're going to wait for somebody to demonstrate to us that that's a good idea before we start turning on 64-bit support. So for now, we're running not just 32-bit, but we're actually running Raspbian. So we've got an ARM V8 core, and we're running basically an ARM V6 operating system on it. And the advantage there is, well, there's not that much benefit, really, to ARM V7 over ARM V6. Um, and uh, it means that we can have one operating system image that runs across uh, everything from the, the very earliest Raspberry Pi Alpha boards, all of the Raspberry Pi 1 platforms, Raspberry Pi 2, Raspberry Pi 3, and 0. So it's a big effort, big saving of effort lets us focus. We still don't have an enormous amount of engineering results here, so focusing all of our engineering effort on one operating system variant is important. And the graphics, is that still the same? Uh, it's still the same. Uh, we pushed the clock up a little bit. So um, we've gone from 250 megahertz to 400 megahertz for most of the... Um, the graphics called the main thing that buys us is 1080p 60 video. Uh-huh. Um and um, we've pushed the 3D up from 250 to 300. Okay. Yeah. So. And the the last version of Raspbian had um, OpenGL experimental support. Mm. Will this be better on the the Pi three? Uh, perhaps a little bit. I um, mean that it does a, a significant amount of work on the CPUs. Um, we're expecting that driver eventually to be competitive on all 
competitive with the closed source driver on all Raspberry Pis from Raspberry Pi 1 onwards. You say eventually, is there a timescale on that? Probably in the next six months. I mean, we want to, we, we really need to roll over to it. It, it is a great driver. Um, it, it brings lots of capabilities that we haven't had historically. So I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping that say six months. Uh, and of course, the, some criticism that was leveled at you was f- the fact that it isn't totally free software open source. Mm. And so that would be nice for it to be totally. Yeah, free. well, it, I mean, obviously, you still have some closed source. There'll still be the, the blob will still exist. It will get smaller. Um, video codec will stay under the management of the blob for the foreseeable future. And that's largely because you need the low latency. You need that, that code needs to run on the VPUs. Uh, to have low latency access to the uh, to the video codec um, uh, registers, um, so so I think I think where we'll probably get to quite quickly is a world where um, display and 3D are standards based. So um, uh, display is um, uh, DRM uh, 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 KMS stuff, and um, uh, 3D is amazing allium stuff. And then that, that functionality will get sucked out of the blob. Will be left in the blob is camera and video. Uh, okay, so it has it's it's the same interfaces, same everything for the camera and the yeah same touch everything. screen. I yeah. see it's got the um, the analog audio. Yes, it's still and analog audio video? and composite video. Yeah, Very we good. don't drop features. So um, <laughs> and of course the, the the analog audio just got much better. I don't know if you've seen on the forums, but uh, Jonathan's work on. Um, uh, uh, an improved um, uh, sort of DSP code to, uh, to 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 improve the way we drive the PWM out of there um, has really paid off. There's a lot of ecstatic people on the forum saying, "Hang on a second, this is CD quality, just like you promised three years ago, four years ago." <laughs> so ecstatic without static. I yeah, absolutely it. without yeah. without that constant uh, thing. But uh, no, it's, it's good. It's good that that's got there because uh, you know we always knew the hardware was capable of it, um, and it, it's good to see it actually realised in practice. So is that going to be? And this is. Raspbian thing is that going to be made the default? Uh, yeah, it'll be made the default. Um, there are a couple of bugs left in it, uh, and there are some issues with how it interacts with the DRAM calibration stuff. So, um, effectively, every uh, twice a second, I think, we take the DRAM offline for some tens of microseconds to um, uh, effectively calibrate the the, the DRAM interface. Um, Problem we have is that that will tend to underflow. Various buffers in the PW, in the PWM output will tend to underflow during that during that period if because uh, the DMA gets starved out. Um, so we just need to uh, we need to come up with a story about how we're going to make that uh, how we're going to make that work. So currently um, we disable the DRAM PVT um, stuff uh, um, when when you're in the advanced audio mode. Uh, okay. It doesn't actually seem to, it doesn't seem to cause any problems actually, but uh, uh, it's not the right thing to do. I presume if if it was left on long term, it may it may surface in some situations. Yeah, in some but situations, but like I say, it doesn't actually seem to be doing any any harm. So uh, we'll we'll come up with it. We'll come up with a solution. We want to do it the right way. But for, but for now, you know, people people seem to enjoy it. So in terms of layout, then it's going to fit in existing cases, is it? It'll fit in existing cases, although you'll notice we've moved the LEDs. So um, the the, um, the 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 light won't come out if you've got a case with holes in it for, for the LEDs. The light won't come out. We really wish we hadn't had to do that, but as you can see, we've used that bit of board periphery for the Wi-Fi antenna. I think that's a very fair compromise. It is a fair compromise. <laughs> I wish we'd put the. You know, we all wish we could have put the LEDs. The LEDs could have gone there in the first place, right? <laughs> if, we'd, if we'd known how precious uh, board periphery was going to be 18 months ago, I think we would have we would have put the LEDs down there in the first place. 
And so is there going to be a new official case for this then? Yeah, there is a new official case. So it's the, it's the same as the old official case, except prettier. Um, it's just uh, we've cut new moulds. Um, uh, I mean, I think we, we've been fairly open about the fact that it was a pretty rocky road getting that case done, getting the moulding for that case done. Um, and and so and the, the moulds that we've used for the case of the last year are effectively, um, they're very bad moulds. <laughs> Um, that have been rescued by some very clever guys in, in the West Midlands. Um, yeah, they, they, they kind of did remediation on them. So they're good enough. Um, the, um, the, the new official case is a whole new set of molds that we commissioned at the end of last year. So it just feels nice. It looks, it's, it, it's the same basic design, but with the LEDs moved, but it just feels nicer. There's a lot of refinement gone into it. So it's very much kind of version 2.0. Very cool. And from a, a manufacturing standpoint, I mean, how long did, your partners have to, how much time have they had to ramp up to get ready for production? Uh, well, we've been ramping since the middle of January. Uh, we'll have between two and 300,000 units on launch day, which is fewer than we'd hoped for. We've had some, some supply issues from one particular supplier. Um, you'll find out on Monday whether I've decided to name them in the blog post. <laughs> I'm sorely, sorely tempted. Um, a very famous semiconductor company mm-hmm. um a very old and famous semiconductor company who have really dropped the ball in the most horrific and, and, and unprofessional way um, wow. not any of the big bits of silicon not yeah. not, not microchip or broadcom or, or, or lpd um so um We'll have two or three hundred thousand. Uh, the supply chain situation is getting better, so we should have about a hundred thousand a week being built for as long as we need to. And that really should that we really should catch up. We can build a hundred thousand a week. We really should catch up with demand in a few weeks. We'll we'll see how we go. And so, does this explain the shortage of the Pi Zeros then? Um, to some extent, I mean, certainly there is no room in the factory in, in South Wales where we build the where we build the zeros. Um, I mean, by and large, the shortage of Pi Zeros is just because everyone bought them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, so yeah, um, and we're, we're selling every, we're selling everything we can make. Uh, we're into our third hundred thousand. Is that right? So we're building, um, yeah, we're building another hundred and fifty thousand. So we'll have, yeah, we're, uh, we're building this, we're, we're building as fast as we can, but we have had to take a little bit of a pause over the last month in order to get this done. So I took some, I posted, posted on Twitter some pictures from the factory, uh, of zeros, lots of zeros in the middle of January of, of zeros being built. And of course I was in the factory because we were ramping this. So those <laughs> were kind of, uh, <laughs> those were some zeros they were squeezing out before the ramp. But so can we return to the, the Wi-Fi and the Bluetooth? Mm. I mean, that, that is the, the killer here. I mean, the 64 mm. bit processor is clearly important, but having Wi-Fi on it, th- there's been this demand for so long. Uh, it's, I saw on the spec sheet earlier that it's, uh, 802.11n. Is that, uh, 2.4? It's 2.4n. It's single band, single band one by one n. Right. Okay. Fair enough. And what, what's the Bluetooth spec? Uh, it's Bluetooth 4.1. Okay. Yeah. So it's, so it's Bluetooth classic and Bluetooth low energy. So it's all the stuff you need, basically. Yeah. Great. And are they tied directly into the Broadcom? Yeah, so that, so they're well, so they're they're connected to Broadcom via an SDIO. Well, the Wi-Fi is connected via an SDIO interface, and the uh, Bluetooth is connected using the UART. Very excellent. So it means you're you're not using the USB 
side of it for yeah, for that. So so it's incremental. That's a nice thing. It's incremental bandwidth. Um, so it's actually quite a nice. It ends up being quite a nice platform for bridging because. Um, at the 1000 Ethernet, we have the the Wi-Fi, which is 150 megabits peak theoretical, um, and then we've got um, some USB left over for uh, for mass storage. So if you're trying to bridge between wireless and wired and storage, it actually ends up being quite a nicely balanced, uh, quite a nicely balanced platform. Very excellent. And so, what what kind of things do you think people will be able to do with this? That they may not have been able to do before, or is it just it'll do it faster? Well, it'll do it. It'll do it. Whatever you're doing, you know, it's the it's, it's the Simpsons, isn't it? It's the right way, the wrong way, and the max power way, which is the, <laughs> the wrong way but faster. Uh, so yeah, it'll definitely be it's it's, it's Raspberry Pi Max Power Edition. Um, we'll be able to. Um, uh, I mean, there are two things people do with Pi, right? They use it as a PC, or they use it as an embedded system, right? So if you're using it as a PC, now you've got the ability to get to the network wirelessly, and you've got the ability to plug Bluetooth peripherals in, so you've got the ability to plug mouse a mouse and a keyboard in. And I'm quite excited about the. Uh, idea of people just sticking them behind a television now you can just stick it behind a tv and then just use bluetooth for the for the uh for the the peripherals you can use um uh, wi-fi for the uh, you can use wi-fi for your network access um and then it's, it's a completely wireless it's a completely wireless solution uh, on the um uh, sort of embedded system side uh, bluetooth sensors is a big deal so i'm kind of hoping this has got kind of an iot hub uh, a role as an IoT hub, which sits in your in your house, and then you have a cloud of Bluetooth connected sensors around it, and then they use either the wireless or the wired Ethernet for backhaul um, out to the network. And of course, with the custom Pi stuff, you can then, if you develop a cool product based on that, you then how you can either use the compute module route or the custom Pi route to take that to uh, uh, to take that to market. So, will the the compute module be moved to? Pi three architecture. Yeah, so so we're going to be talking about CM three on. We're not launching CM three on Monday, but we're going to talk about CM three. We've got some demos. We've got we've got some some prototype hardware. We'll launch that in the next few months. Um, so we will launch that. We'll we'll also launch three A at some point this year. Oh, um, so so kind of there are two MIA products, right? There's there's Compute Module Two and there's Two A. Right? All that happened there was the window just closed on them. You know, we we were selling so many Two Bs, all our chips were being sucked into Two B production, um, and by the time we got enough chips, it was you know November. Uh, and then you, then, you know, this closed the window on it. Um, this platform's going to be around for a little bit longer than Pi 2. So, uh, um, we, uh, uh, we can, we can afford to roll out the CM3, uh, and the, uh, and, and the 3, and the 3A, which I actually think has got real potential as a product because it's got the wireless on it. Um, it's getting the wireless. It'll get the wireless. And so it's, 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 it's more convincing as a product, right? Because it, 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 you, the single USB hurts you less when you've got uh, wireless and Bluetooth. Yeah, exactly. You don't really need the Ethernet. You don't need more USB potentially. Yeah, yeah that's it. I mean, it's been a. This one has been a hard program, right? I mean, you know, the guys here have worked incredibly hard on it. Everybody in this office has worked incredibly hard on getting this one out of the door. Um, and you know, the wireless adds a layer of challenge to it that, that's never been there. In, in a product, in a product before. Um, but yeah, it's good. I think people are going to like it. I mean, the people who've played with it, it's, there's like a, it's like there's, for, particularly for the kind of PC like world, there's a, it's like there's a line of, of required level of performance and Pi 2 is a bit, bit below it. And this one is a bit above it. It's, it's kind of, Somehow that extra, it doesn't feel like 50 or 60% extra performance should make a qualitative difference to a product, but it really does. 
actually, and particularly because it's 50 or 60% single thread performance where we had 6x from Pi 1 to Pi 2, but kind of 4x of that was the, was the, 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 the multi-core and multi-core isn't always the easiest performance to access. Um, but, uh, yeah. I was wondering what else is, what else is cool about it. Um, yeah, oh yeah, H265. Um, uh, so we don't have H, we haven't changed the codec hardware in there. Um, but there is, H265 is getting quite popular now. Um, so we've had, um, over the last year, a program to develop, um, GPU accelerated H265. So it's, it's sort of a halfway house between hardware and software H265. And that's coming along really nicely now. That can play all 720p content plays very nicely and quite a large amount of 1080p content plays plays okay so we're going to kind of over the next couple of months kind of push that over the push that over the line and really get all 1080p working so as an example who uses h265 rather than 264 so it's it's people who i mean it's very popular with you know torrent people torrenting um completely legal content um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's popular with people who want to optimize either their use of network bandwidth or their use of, um, the storage on the NAS box. Um, so you, you, theoretically, there's up to a factor of two improvement in file size for a given quality. Now, I think people are actually struggling to realize that at the moment, but, um, at some point of the encoders will get good enough. Um, so yeah. Um, so yeah, some of these features, it's all these things where we try and like, like the audio, we try and just push the ball forward. You know, we, we understand the chip very well. Um, and, uh, you know, last year, for example, we added, um, uh, deinterlacing, high, high quality deinterlace, which is really useful for people watching, uh, often kind of, um, sports content on there. Um, so, so there's lots of things where, because we understand the DSPs and the GPO on there very well, we can really squeeze the performance out. and the extra clock speed that we've managed to get out of the uh, GPU elements really helps with that as well. Um, yeah. So combining it with the camera video conferencing type situations or kiosk type potential uses potentially uh potentially i mean the encode side is is h264 is h264 only but um yeah there's there's a there's a there's a lot of potential so i think we're just gonna i think we're just gonna keep we're just gonna keep squeezing and finding ways of getting more uh you know more performance uh you know more performance out of the device and so people might be surprised to see a new Pi already so soon after the Pi Zero. Mm. Is this it for a while then? You kind of implied that. Uh, yeah, I think this is it for a bit. Um, I mean, I think we've got to a, we've got to a good place. Uh, you know, we've got to a, a level of performance, which I think we're pretty comfortable with now. So I think we're probably going to, I think we're going to toggle back to that kind of what you saw from us in, um, with the very long lifetime of Pi 1. So a lot of work going to solve, a lot of work on the software side. So, so a lot of work in squeezing performance out of a fixed platform. And I think we're probably going to, for the next you know, year or two, we're going to toggle back to that kind of mode and really try and take this platform and squeeze everything we can out of it in, in, in terms of performance. Something that uh, I can't help but feel people might be slightly disappointed by is that it's only got one gigabyte of RAM. I mean, was that a cost issue to, to not uh, be able to wrap that up? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a cost and a chipset issue. I mean, I think this chipset is kind of at its limit now in terms of uh, in terms of its ability to to, to drive more RAM. Um, it's a cost issue as well. You know, RAM is the yeah RAM is a very substantial fraction of that thirty five dollars, um, and. Um, a gigabyte RAM is a lot of RAM. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, there are cell phone and tablet vendors who only ship a gig of RAM on their product still. 
Um, and so I think one thing you'll see from us is, is some focus on, on memory footprint. You've always seen a focus on memory footprint optimization, but, um, since we doubled the RAM last year, we, there hasn't been a bloat. There hasn't been a factor of two bloat in RAM usage, right? Um, so I think we're going to try and squeeze that RAM and just, 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 uh, just optimize our footprint a little bit. Um, which has always kind of been what we tended to do, right? We've always tended to throw effort at, you know, if you, if you, save a kilobyte of RAM usage and you've got 8 million units in the field, you're saving an awful lot of RAM. You know, you're saving an awful lot of money. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, when you've got an install base our size, you can justify doing stuff in software land that you couldn't if you had 100,000 units in the field. Um, so I think we're going to try and squeeze. And of course, you know, you've got devices like Zeros, only got half a, only got half a gig. And we, we want to keep that viable. We want to keep the old, uh, B pluses and Bs viable, even the A's, you know. We want to keep those viable as, as, as platforms. We don't want to throw them under the bus. And speaking of the zero, I mean, is there any possibility of a, a revamped version of that that's got wireless on board? Um, I would be nice. Um, Hundred thousand pounds of conformance testing and a whole heap of uh, you know there, there, there were some barriers between us and there are some barriers between us and doing that. it would be nice though. Um, there's also kind of board area. You'll notice that there's not a conspicuously large amount of free board area available on Zero to, to kind of fit those uh, fit those features onto. But it would be it would be a fun thing to do, and it's certainly a thing that we you know at least nominally we at least know the shape of the when we started doing this we didn't know what the shape of the problem was. You know, it was all, it was all unknown unknowns. You know, sort of Rumsfeldian unknown unknowns. Um, we uh, uh, we didn't know what the shape of the problem was. At least now we've done a product, we know what the shape of the problems are. And we know what the hoops are. You have to jump through so you mentioned uh, software optimization what what kind of things are you working on at the moment well the obviously the there's core. the obviously there's the h265 stuff um there's uh some stuff going on around uh neon optimize we there's eternal um an interesting thing about the the arms is if you go and look at any library and you look at the amount of x86 optimization, there is an enormous amount of, you go into a codec library and go look for SSE, SSE optimized fun, uh, fast paths in, you know, FFmpeg. Uh, everything has been done, you know, the whole, everything has been, been covered, right? Um, the ARM world is still very sparse in terms of its optimization support. So quite a lot of the most effective money we've spent on software optimization over the last few years has been on things like FFmpeg and, um, uh, so FFmpeg, LibAV, um, Pixmap, um, uh, GLibC, um, lots of, Places where you can screw out a better mem copy. A better mem copy lifts all, lift, lifts, lifts all boats, you know. Um, so, uh, so yeah, a bunch of that stuff. I mean, there are still things to do. Um, this one has, um, A53 has double width neon. So, um, neon's kind of nominally, uh, kind of, you can see it's kind of a four issue. Uh, it'll, it, it, it it does things four at a time. And then the underlying hardware doesn't have to be four wide. You can be one wide or two wide or four wide. And then it takes multiple cycles to do uh, a four wide operation. Um, the A7 has one wide neon. So four wide neon instructions take four, four cycles. This has two wide neon. So they take two cycles. Um, this, this can mean that there, there may be some need for some rebalancing of, you know, various pieces of code, which have been very, very finely tuned to run very well on the one wide, the uh, Cortex A7 one wide neon, um, may need some rebalancing 
um, to, to, to run, to squeeze all the performance out of the two wide Neon. Yeah. And obviously us here, we know exactly what Neon is, but for the people who... Are oh, the people are, for the people well, at home. The ones the people at home. home. Yeah. So Neon is the, Neon is the, is the ARMv7 era, um, uh, multimedia acceleration instruction set. So it provides, uh, sort of, uh, provision for doing kind of parallel parallel operations of various sorts which are useful for things like media encode and decode and um you, uh, pixman so blit you know color converting um blending blitting operations um so we we had our on uh, raspberry pi one we have a, we had a, an era of um implementing uh vfp accelerator support so there's a there's a media acceleration instruction set associated with ARMv6, and there's, there's another media acceleration instruction set, Neon, associated with ARMv7. Uh, there's another one, a kind of new version of Neon associated with ARMv8, but that doesn't matter because we're not running a 64-bit mode. So at least our ARMv7 optimizations will pay off on 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 this core. But like I say, they may not, they might need a little bit of playing with just to get just to squeeze the last ten or twenty percent out of uh, out of that. And we do a lot of squeezing the last ten or twenty percent out. Um, that's just that's something nobody else does that um, because everybody else chases after new platforms. Um, and uh, you know, because we're sort of sat here, we have a kind of a, a large market share, um, and, and we we take quite a lot of the money we make from the pie and we, we we do push it into doing that we sort of feel that we can afford to do that and it's in our interest um to do that and it's kind of it's kind of fun because i'm a software engineer originally so it's kind of fun actually to have a platform which is all about the, the to a large degree it's all about the software squeezing as much as it is about chasing down process nodes and uh, and pushing clock speeds there's the two sides to Raspberry Pi. There's trading and foundation. You're you're trading. I am trading. You're you're the man for trading. So I am now. The, when you're talking about funds, you're talking about the trading, spending money on yes. product optimization yes. rather than the education. Okay. Yes. So so effectively, the, the 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 for people at home, the corporate structure of Raspberry Pi. We have a, a top. The top co is a is a is a charity. Raspberry Pi Foundation. It's, it owns 100% of the shares in uh, yeah, the one share in um, uh, Raspberry Pi, uh, Raspberry Pi Trading Limited. And Raspberry Pi Trading Limited is a regular commercial company. We our mandate is to go out and make money for our shareholder. Uh, we just have an unusual, an unusual shareholder. Um, so, and, and kind of the flow is money comes into Raspberry Pi Trading. We recycle. We spend about between a third and a half of it inside. Uh, well, I always used to say a half, but we. Now, since we've started selling more Raspberry Pis and we haven't hired engineers fast enough to catch up, we're spending about a third of it um, inside the Raspberry Pi training organization, and we return the, the remainder up to the uh, as dividends up to our, up to the foundation, which then spends on doing awesome educational stuff. Very excellent. Yeah, which is cool. And of course, you know, one of the big changes this year we've we've hired Philip Colligan to be our chief executive for the uh, for the for the um, foundation. And he's he's a hundred percent awesome. So uh, the founder—I mean, you're really going to see the foundation do amazing stuff over the next couple of years. Yeah, it definitely looks like, and I, you know, the fund from the foundation side that it's it's really stepped up its game and is out there a lot more. Yes. Yeah. Um, really, really, and not just going to America. Yeah, not just all. <laughs> yeah, they've all they've all run off to America. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, so so as as, as you know, uh, uh, most of the foundation is in uh, is in the US this week doing our first Pi Academy, uh, Pi Academy USA with our with our partners at the Computer History Museum in Silicon Valley. Um, but yeah, obviously, since particularly since the merger with Code Club, we have a lot more. Yeah, we have a, we have a lot more resource. We have a lot more um, uh, capability to go and do awesome stuff. 
Which is great because you know that's why we're doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ultimately, although it's 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 enormously good fun selling lots of little computers. <laughs> uh, it's nice to sell them for a reason. Yeah, I I, I listened to um, I think it was a video interview a while back where you mentioned the camera module mm. and the fact that the the sensor is you need to bulk buy the sensor. Yes, is there some work happening on? A replacement future, or? future, yeah. When we run out of when we run out of uh, of, of existing cameras, there will be new cameras. Uh, we still have quite a lot of existing cameras, but uh, there will be new cameras. Uh, we've we've identified a, a successor, a worthy successor to the OV fifty six forty seven. It's 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 annoying that that went to EOL. <laughs> so soon after it was introduced. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 annoying when that happens because you, what you find. I mean, when we do engineering work here, what we like is. What we like is for the engineering work to translate into benefit to the customer. And if what you're doing is working around some of the obsolescence of one of your, one of your supplies, the best possible case is you do a load of engineering work and nothing changes. <laughs> that's, that's the, that's the optimum outcome. And that's really galling because it's, 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 it's hard and, and, and it's, it's not cheap. But yeah, we, we found a worthy, worthy successor. We, we don't think there'll be any disruption, uh, from, from, uh, from moving on from, 5647. And we had a good run. I mean, we, we did, we must have done three or four hundred thousand of those, of those 5647 modules. Um, they've been very, they've been very, very popular. People have used them for a lot of stuff. So we, we, we got, we had a good run. We got, I think we got a solid 18 months, and then we, then the OL, and then whatever we could, uh, you know, maybe another year to 18 months out of the bulk buy mm. that we did, um, at, at the OL time. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, talk to us about this and, and for inviting us up here to uh, to see it. And I can't wait to get home and uh, fire it up and have a play with it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, th th thanks thanks again. And um, yeah, um, I just hope people like it. I'm sure they will. It was so great to uh, to meet Eben. Um, he was definitely uh, flitting around getting things done. There was a huge amount of activity in the office, even though a bunch of them were off at... Uh, already left for the US for Pi Academy and uh, it was really good to get a, a bit more details on what's happening with the the Raspberry Foundation and the Pi 3. And what a cool office, eh? It was very nice. It still had that uh, shiny new smell going on and there was still uh, people in there lifting um, the, the elevated floors to put cabling and things in there. So I expect they're going to be making great use out of it. Yeah, and such a relaxed atmosphere in there. I mean, as you said, there weren't that many people there, but the people who were there, there weren't many suits and ties, were there? It was all all very casual and just, you know, it seems like a really cool place to work. Absolutely. So if you have applied for any of the jobs that they're, uh, they've got out there, it looks like a good place to end up. Yeah, definitely. So, Joe, as you mentioned on the, um, the interview, you have a Pi 3. I do. Did you get a chance to play with it? Yeah, I've had a chance to play with it. And it's faster, is all I can say. <laughs> it's faster and Wi-Fi is decent. I was worried that it's not got much room for an aerial on there, but you know, you're still getting decent 50, 60 plus megabits per second, which, you know, it's not exactly 5G AC speeds or whatever, but what do you want for a $35 computer? I'm very impressed with, with the Wi-Fi performance and performance in general. Yeah, and because it's on a the the Wi-Fi is on a different bus, I suspect. And again, I haven't had a chance to play yet, but I would suspect it'll be faster than the USB dongles because it's not bound by USB. Yeah, I think it is a touch faster from my tests. I mean, I haven't had a, a thorough chance to play with it, and um, we're recording this before Monday, obviously. 
And so I haven't had a chance to play with the final Raspbian image, but it's it's looking good already. And as Evan said, it's only going to get better. They they constantly refining the software, aren't they? And they keep pumping out the new versions of Raspbian and tweaking it. So given that basically a very crude hack of the old image with some firmware files in it has produced a, a perfectly working, much faster Pi. I can't wait to see what they do in the next week or two and and indeed the next few months with the tweaking to make it just super, super fast. Yeah, and as as you said as well, it's not on the USB. So it's not just they've got a, a USB dongle, ripped it apart and stuck it on the board. It's on a completely different bus. And so is the um, Bluetooth, which means the USB ports are still full bandwidth for everything else. Yes, they're still shared with the Ethernet port, but for most people, USB is going to be dedicated because you won't need the Ethernet with the Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. And I've I've done some quick tests of um, Scratch and stuff, and just everything is faster, as you'd expect. You know, it's a it's a beefier processor. Everything is faster. So what kind of tests did you run on it? Well, I did hard info, uh, which comes up as system profiler and benchmark in, in the menus, and that's got various benchmarking tools on that. And it was consistently 50-60% faster than the Pi 2. And that's great. And again, what, what I'm loving is, you know, as you said, they, they got it because it's a better 32-bit processor. So it means that everybody, for all of the existing code, everything should run, you know, all of the, the games that were being given uh, away free by, by some of the publishers should all run better as well. And then, you know, in the future, the headroom exists for 64-bit code. So I know with yeah. one gig of RAM, that might make much of a difference in, in initially, but it looks like the architecture itself has has the ability to be even better and giving even greater performance from the Pi 3 in uh, long term. Yeah, the thing about the ARM V8 is that it will run ARM V7 code. So it's a, kind of an analogy is if you take a, a modern laptop that's got an x86-64 processor, it'll run 64-bit code and most operating systems are 64-bit, but you can still run a 32-bit operating system on it, no problem. And so with the Raspberry Pi, it's ARM V8, but it'll still run ARM V7, no problem. Yeah, because I've already started with the Pi Zero doing uh, any development I do on the Raspberry Pi 2. And then at the end, sticking it into the Pi Zero, mainly, to be honest, because of the convenience of having the extra ports and the access. And, you know, it's kind of easier for me to work in that environment because I've got that fairly much set up. But I can see with the Raspberry Pi 3, even if you're going to be putting something on a Pi 2 or a Pi Zero or, you know, something, some other version of the Raspberry Pi that Evan mentioned maybe coming out soon, then it, it it makes it logical that the software will just work. You do your code on the fastest version of the Raspberry Pi you've got, and then you put it on the other one for, uh, you know, when it's going to be in use. Yep. And he mentioned the um, the board layout and the, the LED being moved. I mean, I know for people with lots of cases, that'll be uh, a problem. So where, where are the new LEDs? Well, they've moved slightly across to the corner where the power jack is, the, the micro USB power supply so they haven't moved much but yeah if you've got an existing case and you really need the leds then that could be a bit of an issue but i'm sure that new cases will come out in a day or two <laughs> yeah i'd expect the pimeroni guys will have their uh their their cases already there'll be new uh a pibo and the what do they call them the the 
flotilla colors so the coupe that's it so the coupe case which is the one that i go for these days because it's got the gpio exposed so it protects the pie itself but you can still get at the gpio pins very easily so i expect they'll have their case ready the moment this is out and was there anything else you uh, you tried on it well i actually tried ubuntu mate on it and it didn't boot i just got a rainbow screen and so I put the SD card back in the Pi 2 and did uh, rpi-update, well, sudo rpi-update. It took four or five minutes to update the firmware, put the card back in the Pi 3, and boom, it booted, and it's faster. It's it's a desktop machine, basically. On Ubuntu Mate, did you try running any of the applications? You know, the, the desktop performance, as Evan said, you know, this is, this is in his view above the line where desktop performance is appropriate yeah i mean i'm not sure yet i think that there's going to be some tweaking required it was definitely faster and it was definitely more comfortable but you know compared to my i5 and i3 machines (laughs) it's it's a long way off but i think that it is usable definitely and web browsing on it is much much nicer in either ubuntu mate or in in raspbian and yeah, it, I think it has crossed that threshold, as he said, that it does feel usable. I, I mean, it's still a slow usable machine, don't get me wrong. It's it's not super fast compared to x86 machines, but it is definitely usable. Wow, well, it's amazing what they can do with a uh, $35 computer. Yeah, it really is. So on, um, on Raspbian, did you try um, Scratch or anything like that? Because again, you know, the educational world, Scratch is where it's at. Yeah, I did try Scratch. I tried the, the Pac-Man demo, and that is much, much faster. It's it's much smoother and faster. So that that really bodes well, I think, for Scratch stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the, the Pac-Man game, I think, is a great inclusion in the um, in the standard image because it really thrashes it. I, I've run that on um, some of the older Pies as well, and it's torture. And then you put it on a Pi 2, and it's it's playable. And it sounds like on a Pi three now, we're at we're at full speed, which is perfect. Um, yeah, I'm excited to get one. I'm going to be uh, trying to get one on the first day. So uh, hopefully there's enough in stock, and uh, I get there early enough to get them. Because even with um, Evan mentioning, I think it was about three hundred thousand at launch, I still expect it'll be sold out. So I, I expect there'll be some people who'll be disappointed on the first day. Yeah, I think they will be, but it sounds like they've got production um, ramped up to to a point where they will be able to fulfill demand, and hopefully it's good news for the Pi Zero as well. I think there'll be people finally getting both of them uh, in, in a week or two. Yeah, I saw that uh, the retailers in the UK with the Pi Zeros were, were still selling out, so there's still a pent-up demand, which <laughs> imagine having the choice, uh, you know, do I get myself a Raspberry Pi 3 or do I get seven Raspberry Pi Zeros. It's a, it's going to be a dilemma for some people. Yeah, definitely. So with that, Joe, I think um, that's fairly much it. The information that we have so far, really looking forward to seeing how people use it and the optimization that's coming down the line. Um, but yeah, welcome to the new world of the Raspberry Pi. We've got a, a Raspberry Pi 3 to play with. Yeah, and I can't wait to see some uh, 64-bit stuff going on. And it's it just opened up a whole new world of uh, development and excitement, I reckon. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting to see what the Imperial College in London guys do because they've done some bare metal coding on the original Raspberry Pi and they've shown some amazing demos. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're first out of the, uh, out of the gate with the 64 bit code as well. 
Yeah, and just imagine how fast Riscos is going to be on this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm that fast. I think it'll be yeah. too fast for me. <laughs> it'll be brilliant. I must actually, that's going to be a thing to do. I want yeah. to see the video. I want to see a video of something running on it. You know, the original Elite running on this, I have a funny feeling uh, <laughs> it could be close to unplayable due to the sheer speed. Yeah. Fantastic. And so with that, then, we're coming to the end of another Pi Podcast. If you want to get in contact, you can email show at thepiepodcast.com, find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, or leave a comment on the website. Thanks for joining me, Albert, and thanks for everyone for listening. We'll see you again in two weeks, and this time we mean it, with more Raspberry Pi news, interviews, and discussion. Take care. See you later.